0: Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by Dan Club to discuss Liverpool's 1-0 victory over Wolves. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So yeah, finally some positive vibes on the podcast. Finally some positive vibes with Liverpool. Harvey Elliott's first half goal, giving the Reds a 1-0 victory on the road at Molineux to book a place in the fourth round of the FA Cup, where they will be back at the Amex Stadium to face Brighton, who obviously gave them quite a beating last weekend. So an opportunity for maybe less revenge, but but more redemption, um, you'd say. So we will start, as usual, with our post-match podcasts with a three-word match review. And I will go first on this one before I bring Dan in. Uh, and Dan, my theory on this is back to basics. And it was the phrase that Klopp that used after the game um, against Brighton at the weekend. He said, we have to go back to basics. And I thought Liverpool did that in a few important ways last night, I think. First and foremost, the press. And I think that was particularly pronounced in the first half. Um, we saw Liverpool really pushing up higher and, and crucially pushing up as a unit. You know, you had the front line, but the midfield was stepping in there too. And the amount of times they forced errors from all the amount of times they won the ball back. It was much more like a a vintage club team. And um, at the moment that summed it up really was when Jose saw was given the ball by one of his defenders. And his only option with all the angles closed off was to actually knock it behind. They can see the corner and you rarely see that, but that is a testament really to just how effective Liverpool's pressing play was on the night. So I was, I was really pleased to see that return and, and, uh, Hopefully, we can obviously preserve it going forward because it just shows you the difference that it can make when you have that kind of structure and that discipline in your midfield shape. Um, and I also thought, you know, Liverpool were really good in possession, particularly in the first half. They had spells where I thought their passing play was kind of at its most cohesive for a good while, um, which was surprising given the extent of change. Isn't that some of these players just haven't really played together at all? Um, but also, I guess, the fight at the end of the game um i think you you were there dan and i'm sure the um the fans appreciated it really sort of battling spirit at the end of the game because wolves were putting us under pressure and i was reading Klopp's comments this morning he wasn't too happy with liverpool dropping um quite deep at the end of the game but um in those circumstances they defended their box with the kind of a lot of battling spirit and given that this is a team who rightly or wrongly have faced criticism for a lack of maybe application and being outfought by the other team at times that that certainly didn't happen last night and uh, and they kind of gave everything to make sure that they were going to come away um with a win and i think overall to kind of tie everything together this was the first time since the world cup that liverpool have, have not only won a game but but deserved to win it mm-hmm. um and that was really satisfying to see because the previous couple of wins we've had there's been kind of concerns but like i said at the start good vibes because it was it was not only a win but also a performance and that was solely needed but what's um what are your three words and and what did you make of the of the performance last night then
1: yeah um so my three words are going to be Stefan by master masterclass um I thought he was phenomenal I thought he was phenomenal in the ground watching um and I thought he's phenomenal when I watched the highlights back this morning as well he was he was perfect all night really I don't want to sort of heap too much praise on just that individual performance because as a collective we were so much better than we have been in recent weeks you summed it up really well it was it was everything that's been missing really since the world cup it had intensity it had passion it had that desire but also aside from that it wasn't just about running around a lot more and pressing it had quality and we did win possession and it had they, those fighting spirits that just haven't been there when we were winning our first challenge we were winning our second challenge it was just Everything we've come to expect from a Liverpool side, but haven't been seen in recent weeks. Um, and as well as that, not to go over your points too much again, but it was streetwise, it was smart. Too often in recent weeks, we've been making life easy for the opposition. There have been a few instances where a few players, I won't single players out in this instance, that have let opposition sort of go beyond them. And not fouled them not brought them down and it's meant that we're in trouble like our defense is exposed that wasn't happening last night and as much as i want to lord by jessage in his performance james milner probably the catalyst behind that he started that he was like no if we're in trouble i'll bring him down i'll risk that yellow card just to me if it means that we're not going to concede or not concede a big chance so yeah it was so much more like it and you're right to sort of reference the changes and how it was quite surprising how cohesive and how as a unit they were given like i'm not sure not privy off the top of my head but i would be surprised if that 11 has played together before now um we're well, certainly with Gakpo; it definitely won't have done but um it was just a brilliant performance to a man really from the outset and some players there there's some big question marks over including joe gomez outstanding that was much more like it
0: yeah gomez as well deserves that's his performance, he defended pretty brilliantly throughout that game. I think that the point about winning challenges is, is crucial. You know, Klopp's talked about that so much recently in, in the sense that when Liverpool commits so many players to a half hour suppress press and then that inevitably gets bypassed, then that's when you see in the kind of situations where they look really exposed and and those obviously become all too common this season. And on the streetwise angle that I saw um, a tweet um, just before we came on this morning, and uh, Dan Morgan from the Anfield Ramp was saying... That was the best Liverpool have fouled all season, um, and I, I'd have to agree with that. I think you know it, it was kind of that extra element of um of guile in there, and you know it really frustrated Wolves. But the best thing about it, I think, was that they were fouls that the referee couldn't necessarily give a yellow card for a lot of them because the ca- kind of counter attack wasn't in full flow. Um, so I thought that was kind of a maybe an, an under race element to performance too, that Liverpool were a little bit more um. They weren't as naive, maybe, as mm-hmm. they've been um, at times in other games. But if we move on to kind of the, the individuals then, and, and you obviously touched on Bicetich already, but rather than maybe looking back at the performance last night too much, then like, I mean, f- from my perspective, I think he he really grew into it as it went on. And he, um, the amount of challenges he was winning um and his growing confidence and and that moment as well where he kind of lets the ball run past him and leaves the opposition player on the ground with with shade to Thiago. These were all really good features of it. But if if we kind of look ahead, do you see him as someone who's a a serious Fabinho challenger? I mean, he is still very young. I think they said in the commentary last night that it was only his third start Mm -hmm. um, for Liverpool still. Do you see him as like a genuine competitor or is it still... Um, is he a little bit too far away to put, put serious pressure on Fabinho?
1: Well, he, I think he has put serious pressure on Fabinho based on that performance last night, to be honest. But more generally, I think he should be too far away and he should be too young and he should be too inexperienced to be a candidate for that role. Um, I, I believe he will play a part, but for me, his his part should still be in the FA Cup and maybe sort of at the back end of the football matches when they are already won. Like, as as brilliant as he was last night, and I used him in, in my free word review because I thought he was outstanding, honestly. I thought everything about his game is his reading of the match, his understanding of where to be and his, the way he dealt with every situation. And he went down with cramp and he could barely walk at one point, let me tell you, I don't know if the TV cameras picked it up, but he got himself back up and he even dealt with a couple of situations after that. He was genuinely outstanding. But... On the flip side of that, I think if we are going to sort of add him into the rotation of the midfielders in terms of starting football matches, that's a big leap. And you don't want to sort of, you could hold him back in a sense if you do throw him into a game and he does get overrun for whatever reason has a bad 45 minutes, whatever it may be. It could knock his development back a couple of stages. That's the last thing we want with somebody so wonderfully talented. There's a lot of outcry now based on last night for him to start against Chelsea. Now, I'm fully aware Chelsea are on in the greatest moment, much like us. But if we do start the youngster against Chelsea and it doesn't go well for him, what does that mean for the future? I don't agree with that personally. I mean, he's a brilliantly talented player who we should be including, but at the right moments. And I'm not sure that's starting big Premier League games just yet. Yeah, I agree with you, to be fair. I think it's a little bit premature
0: to to talk about. You know Premier League matches or certainly Premier League matches of that magnitude. I think there are still some moments where he doesn't look um completely ready for that and and that's not a problem at all, you know, given like I say how how little experience he does have, um maybe we can maybe look towards that next season. I think one interesting thing is that you know the club have have been linked with a lot of defensive midfielders. But how does Bicecetti kind of complicate that? You know, because mm-hmm. if you bring in, say, a twenty-two-year-old for your backup, then that is path block. Then realistically, and um, I mean, maybe he fits in a little bit further forward. But he does look good yeah. in that number six role. So I think that is is what he's doing. He's more putting pressure on on the club from a transfer standpoint than he is maybe on, on Fabinho just yet. I think is um, another way you can look at it. But a couple of the other players uh, from yesterday. Um, Harvey Elliott, man of the match um, according to to the BBC um, played at right wing, is that his best position?
1: It's such, that's such a difficult one I've been having this conversation so often over the past few days because it was only a matter of six weeks ago that every Liverpool fan you speak to would say he oh, can't play right wing because he's not quick enough and they just dismiss it just like that all of a sudden he as well as the entire midfield department had a tricky period of time playing in the midfield for Liverpool, and he can't play in the midfield either. I still think he is that very attacking eight, hybrid ten type of thing in the midfield, because I do think in a Klopp system in particular, the pace is a huge issue, and there's no doubt about it, when he gets one-on-one with his full-back, he hasn't got the pace, or even the trickery necessarily to beat his full-back and to go, and that's no slight on him. I adore the lad, I think he's a brilliantly talented player, but he hasn't got that that extra yard of pace just to knock it and go like a Mohamed Salah or a Sadio Mane or a Louis Diaz so I still think he is that 10-8 type of role that I spoke about Um, but what a goal I mean the best screamer of the night on the BBC and there's a couple (laughs) knocking around there's a couple knocking around so I believe Um, yeah i was made up for him as well he had a lot of criticism about the midfield stuff that I was talking about and he could tell how much it meant to him to score the goal and then ultimately get the winner at the end his celebrations were, were outstanding so yeah delighted for him and um, like i said I just i do think he will end up being that midfielder i just don't think the wing is for him and it's in different systems for different managers who like that inverted winger that cut in all the time i, I sort of reference Arjen Robin, in a sense that he was just cutting in all the time on his left foot and going maybe it would work but we don't play that way so it doesn't suit
0: yeah you need to be able to go down the outside i i, I think it's good to have a winger who can kind of you know, you, you kind of got this with Gakpo as well. I think generally in your squad it's good to have different types of players so you can kind of use it in in certain games where the opposition might be more vulnerable to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are definite issues with suitability there. Um, One thing I would say is the defensive side of the game, I think it, he much prefers it on the right because it, it, I think it's a more simple task. He's got less space to cover. He's still expected to get back and support his full-back from there. Which I think he he will do happily it's, the issue has never been application in terms of defensive side it just looked more comfortable when his role was more defined off the ball and um, so i thought that as well in addition to how good he was and i think the element that he kind of gives you off the right is kind of coming in and, and, and linking up with the forward and i think we saw that a couple of times with uh with Gakpo yesterday and that is something you maybe could explore, but you are right down that like in terms of the con- conventional clock winger, he is kind of neither here nor there. Um, and I would love to see him, much like I love to see Cavallo, uses it as a number 10. Um, but again, we don't really have that space in our system at the moment, so it's a bit of a dilemma. But one thing I will say is, you know, a lot of people have been so critical of Harvey Elliott this season, I just think he deserves more respect. Mm. Um, from the fan base, you know, everyone's looked at this kind of 19 year old player who's learning on the job to be honest when it comes to the defensive aspects of a midfield role it's not his fault that liverpool have neglected their midfielders enough to kind of have him in there while he's in that learning process and you know you could easily forget looking at liverpool's twitter feed that this is one of the most talented young players in the premier league um and we focus we spend so much time looking at what he can't do um rather than what he can. Um and last night was a reminder of that certainly. So I was really pleased for him. And yeah, his um his passion is is obvious, to be fair. Um, you know, you, you can see what it means to when the, you know, when the final whistle goes, when when he scores, things like that. So um it's great to have that feature as well. Um obviously, there were obviously a few other players that stood out. We mentioned Gomez earlier, you know, Tiago completely ran the show um in midfield as well. But that's just kind of standard fair for him and he certainly benefited from the Improved midfield structure, but let's spend the final few minutes on Chelsea. Um, at the weekend, Saturday 12 30 kickoff. What have you, uh, what have you made of Chelsea, Dan? Because it's been like Liverpool have struggled, but it's the one thing that's been a consolation is that another of the so called big six teams Mm. has actually been, um, fair and worse. Um, in Chelsea, and if you look at the table now, ninth and tenth in the Premier League, um. Why, sort of? Why do you see the reason that, in terms of why it's got so bad um, for Chelsea under Potter?
1: Yeah, I can think of another consolation, Dave. To be honest, it's a little bit further down the table, but um, yeah. yeah um, now, as for Chelsea, at least they're not throwing money at the problem. That's the main thing. Um, <laughs> crazy, absolutely crazy. It's a difficult one. I think it, the the chaos that surrounds our football club um, is probably sort of showing on the pitch a little bit there's no stability there it seems I mean Todd Bowley you know I'm not going to sort of criticize him and what he's doing but he is kind of getting it together now it seems in terms of the backroom staff and all that kind of element but it took it took a while and um, and I think that has probably had an impact on the pitch and Graham Potter spoke the other day and about the Mudrick signing and you just could tell it wasn't his signing I can't remember his exact words so I'm not even going to paraphrase but everything about his interview was like oh yeah I I sort of discovered we were signed and was like that doesn't ring very true or very great it's not a great sort of endorsement for what's going on that football club if the manager doesn't want the player to begin with so it's an interesting setup there but more generally more focused on the pitch they just haven't got it right have they they've thrown a lot of sort of players at the problem and they can't seem to find the system that works and Potter He's kind of taken some of the issues that he had at Brighton with him in terms of actually scoring goals. He's struggling to find the the chemistry and the the way to make his side. Yes, he can be very attractive to watch at times. They can be very sort of nice and sort of balanced and cohesive and they keep the football really well. And up until a point, up until sort of the final 18 yards, it's kind of great. And then all of a sudden it kind of breaks down. So I think they're struggling with those sort of issues. And I actually felt at the time that it was a big leap for Potter. Um, he had a good thing going at Brighton, um, not as good as it is now under Zebri. Obviously, he's tucked them on to another level, which kind of shows some of Potter's deficiencies potentially as well. Um, but I thought it was a big job for him. Uh, I felt he's actually gone too soon, if I'm going to be brutally honest, because Chelsea, especially given what had happened with the ownership, nobody quite knew what that looked like. So for Potter to go into that world felt like a risk to me. Um, and given the pressure that he's under now, all the noises are that they are giving him in time and they're going for a youth policy, etc, etc. But how long that lasts remains to be seen. If they finish ninth, 10th like they're in now, then who knows what happens next season or during the summer. So They're a difficult club. They're a bit of a basket-case club in many senses, Chelsea. I never quite know what to make of them, um, particularly right now because of how new everything is. Uh, But I'm I'm never convinced Potter was the man for that job, and I'm even less convinced now. I
0: think... You know, they, they talk about giving part of time, but the, the nature of what's going on at that club, everything does seem to be, certainly with the recruitment, I think, and and the way they they, they had a record spend last summer and then sacked Tuchel so quickly. Mm. I'm not sure you know they can pretend to have such a cohesive cool long term plan. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise if they just kind of ditched that. I, I personally think they should give him time. I think he's shown enough as a manager, maybe not necessarily at Chelsea even if he did have a good start but but at Brighton to to merit being that kind of young manager who's given given that faith given that time and he drew a comparison recently in a press conference to to Arteta and and to Klopp even to Guardiola who um only finished third in his first season quite a long way off in terms of being a title contender i think a lot of managers will make that comparison um especially with Arteta who was felt like on the verge of of being sacked at times with Arsenal yeah. Um, not it's not going to be valid for every manager, but for him, I, I do think um, I do think it is, and I do think Chelsea should persist with him because I think the rewards there, if he can, um, I guess he chops and changes the system so much. But if he, if he can hit on something that works, there, uh, I think that they can be a, a real force genuinely. And um, it, but they are having to put up with a lot of early pain, which I th- I think is a lot a lot due to injuries. You know, Rhys Ree- James is hasn't played too much this season. And um, he, he's an absolutely vital player for them. He's arguably their most important. And we've seen a lot of uh, 11s going around recently of these are players that Chelsea have unavailable. Mm. And on that point, I'm quite glad we don't have to face out Felix because I think he's a player who could cause us big problems potentially. Obviously, suspended for this game. Um, so, yeah, I, I do see there being kind of some valid excuses for him. Um, to be fair, so I, I'm not going to judge him too harshly just yet, I don't think. I think the only team with more injuries than Chelsea this season, if you look at matches, missed is actually Liverpool, mm-hmm. so this, these two teams can kind of maybe have a little bit of sympathy for each other in that regard, but but speaking of personnel, how do we think Liverpool should line up? Uh, rather than kind of listing the full eleven, I think let's just focus on kind of the main selection dilemmas, because we know it's obviously going to be Alisson in yeah. goal, he'll be coming back Trent Matip and Robertson will probably come back as well mm-hmm. um, into the defense. Fabinho will presumably return Salah from the start. Nunez should be back fit, and then given the the lack of options, probably Gakpo on the left. So, so the real question mark, I think, is um, that right centre midfield position. Mm-hmm. I think that cater has to start ahead of Henderson. Um, would
1: you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I would. I, I, it actually pains me to say it in many senses because. Because of what's happening with Navicator, I think we all know the writing's pretty much on the wall. I think the latest report about his contract are they've tried and they failed, so it's not going to happen. Um, so the writing's on the wall in terms of his future. So in so many senses, every part of my being says, well, well don't play him. Well, just don't play him. If he's going at the end of the season, don't play him. Unfortunately, we're not really in a world or position where we can afford to do that. It's a results business, um, and God only knows that Liverpool need results right now. If they're going to do anything of sort of any sort of, sufficiency in the Premier League we need to get results and it needs to start on Saturday. Um, so I think Navicator has to start the game, yeah I do um, Jordan Henderson's form he could probably do it being left out for a little bit longer if truth be told um, I don't think it's sort of he's gone or he's finished like a lot of people seem to be suggesting I just think he's exhausted, I think he's absolutely exhausted, his performances, he hasn't been able to do anything that we know and love about Jordan Henderson so you've got to keep going with Keita, um and you've got to go with Thiago alongside him because that midfield three should be our best potentially in terms of balance I'd say Keita, Thiago, Fabinho in terms of qualities and what they all bring to the table I think that is almost the ideal three we've got available to us Yeah I've
0: been wanting to see that that midfield for a while and I think think Saturday Saturday could be the time but that'll wrap us up for this episode cheers for jumping on Dan Um, we'll be back after that Chelsea game um, at the weekend um, to discuss that one obviously huge for Liverpool in terms of trying to revive any sort of top four ambition that they do have and building on this performance against wolves. But in the meantime, if you enjoyed the podcast, there's plenty of things you can do, um, you can subscribe, um, you can give it a five-star review. That'd be much appreciated or a positive, um, review on any other podcast platform that you might use. And yet we're also uploading the podcast to YouTube now as well. Um, so you can see. You, you can see us in the flesh doing the um doing the podcasts and um if you could subscribe to the youtube channel as well as we try to grow that that'd be great and yeah if you press the notification button either on youtube or on spotify you obviously get a message every time we release an episode but yeah that's all the admin dealt with so we'll we will see you again shortly for our post chelsea episode but yeah until then take care